You're listening to Son of a Bitch. All right, ladies and gentlemen, join with me today for another exciting, amazing episode of Son of a Pitch. This is this is one for the record books, my friends. This is one you need to mark on the calendar the day you witnessed the evolution of the Senor Bart Hendricks, the the growth, the the path, the the life, the universe, the everything of this fine gentleman, this fine young cannibal in front of me with an LA hat and a thick Dutch accent. Bart, my friend, tell Good me, brother man, what's Michael. up? What's Good up, afternoon. man? <laughs> the hell he had, yeah. I totally forgot you. Yeah. For real. Then in the gray Amsterdam. Woo! The I mean, it looks pretty bright behind you. You got some, some lighting styles going on. Lots of lights. Let there be light, he says. Let there be light. <laughs> <laughs> now, we uh, we know each other via via through the circles, through the Amsterdamness, through miscellaneous prostitution rings. Um... I'm curious, what, uh, who the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> what's happening? What's happening? Who, are, who the hell are you? That's a good one. Yeah. Who the fuck is you? <laughs> who, who, who? Uh, well, I'm, I, I just recently became 40, uh, and uh, that was on February 19th. Uh, according to my mom's registers and information, I was born uh, at 8 o'clock in the evening on 19th of February, 1981. So exactly at that time, I did a Patron shot with five of my friends in the desert of Marrakesh. Whoa. Um, and uh, the realization hit in that uh, the, the major question is, who am I? And I still have an answer to that question. I know that I'm 40 and I know that I'm alive. That's for sure. But Those was, are some uh, excellent conditions to check. Some, but geographically, I was born in a hospital in the south of Holland, uh, in the northern part of the beautiful province of Limburg, one of the twelve Dilstaten provinces of the Royal Dutch Kingdom. And uh, yeah, I grew up in a village, 70,000, very close to the German border, twenty-five minutes of uh, Dusseldorf, uh, hour of Dusseldorf. Around that still area. friends with anyone from the village? Yeah. Yes. Hello, hello, brothers. Well, I think all my all my friends have left that wonderful village. But uh, um, yeah, two older brothers uh, came from parents. Obviously, think so. There was some um, reproduction there. I think I popped out of that. Brothers come from parents. Yes. <laughs> yes. Two older brothers. They're still living there, and uh, yeah, uh, raised as a Rome Catholic. I have five names: Bartolomeo, Hendricus, Rodolfo, Petronella, Hendricks. And uh, so that how that's how it was. Holy shit! <laughs> that's how it was registered as a child, and uh, yeah, that's how we're here. Otherwise known as Bart. March tenth in a podcast with Michael. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously the pinnacle of your career. So you're welcome. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. How tell me. Forty is interesting. I mean, a lot of things happen in that. Moment. I didn't hit the four zero yet. Oh. Um, I'm a spring chicken. I'm a I'm a long, young little goose. I'm any number of farm animals, but definitely not a four year old one yet. But uh, it's around. It's on the horizon. Shit's. Yeah. I mean, does this does it bring to light any? Yeah, I asked you who you are, but does it bring to light any? Like, what are some of the big questions you're asking yourself now that? You think maybe you should have asked yourself back in the day? Wow, yeah. I think uh, one of the the biggest one of the biggest questions I am having uh, lately is the 
consideration and the contemplation of uh, time, you know, and the essence of mm. time, what we do in time, and uh, and what, what that means, and what kind of influence we can have on time. I mean, uh, Conrad, for example, I think, I don't know if you've read the recent book from uh, uh, Roberto Cavelli, The Order of Time, this Italian physicist, fascinating book, eight years of study, and uh, basically comes down to that everything in time takes place now, which is the relationship that you have now. So what we are doing right now is basically what we think it is living in, in time. Uh, we're having this conversation in real time, uh, you know, even though it's digital, digital, phys physical, digital, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, pseudo near I'm, real time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that has been basically the, the, the main question that's been on my mind for a very long time, you know, is that, you know, and, and what, what essence is that, you know, is there predetermination? Is there uh, a decision that you can make in time that will uh, become an evolution towards fortune or misfortune? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. How much power do we have in that? And uh, that has been, uh, yeah, on top of my mind lately a lot. And I've been doing a lot of research on that and I share that as well digitally uh, to uh, all the other followers or non-followers, whatever they mean. Yeah. Are you familiar with uh, Zeno's paradox? No, tell me. So Zeno's paradox is, or at least it's usually described by like an analogy with, uh, with an arrow um, from, I had to Google it because I know it's related to the arrow thing. The concept is, is that basically uh, that in any one timeless instant of time, like any one instant of time, yeah. The arrow. Uh, so basically, the story is, is there's a there's an archer who shoots an arrow to a destination, mm -hmm. um, and the arrow travels at a rate that is half the distance between the arrow point and the destination. Okay. And it's always having and halving and halving and halving and halving. It's the one over x equation. Okay. You know, so it's that the the curve never really touches the the x axis. And so the notion here is that uh, the arrow in flight, in any one instant, like durationless instant of time, the arrow is neither moving to where it is, oh. nor to where it is not, ah. but it is in motion. So it's that oh, maybe mil like millisecond level of ongoing like time instances yeah. that formulate. It's also why, for example, uh, Heidegger mentioned that uh -huh. uh, Design the being in in time, the being there. Uh, the concept of being is never truly realized until one is literally on death's doorstep. That mm -hmm. I can't define who I am until I'm literally about to put my foot in the grave because I could change at yeah. any instant. Okay, wow. You know, so it's like mm -hmm. it's an interesting place to sort of find yourself in. And you think yeah. this came as a result of being in Marrakesh or uh, well, of course being 40 or what was the yeah, moment? Was yeah, there a moment? Perfect. It was absolutely perfect. It was perfect. And I realized, okay, how did I get there? Because I chose to go last minute. On top of that, you're in Africa. You're in the northern part of Africa. You feel you're closer to the stars. When you're in the desert, you literally see all the stars, mm -hmm. which is very powerful. Uh, at the same time, what I did is to the second I went back 40 years ago, you know what I mean? On that moment, being with, being there in the desert, um, all these accumulations uh, that that the, the decision making for me to be there, which was uh, and on top of it, you know, under the COVID and uh, all that kind of stuff. So, right. 
Um, so yeah, I think there there was a uh, very interesting crossroad. Yeah, and 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 it's a bit of a cliche, but uh, yeah, you'll you'll notice that the four zero just does something with you. You know what I mean? And 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 um, did you have something similar when you turned thirty? Sometimes that's, that that happens for some people. No, no. I well, well, thirty thirty was uh, was less spectacular, I think. Okay. I'm, 40 now I what what I feel more now even though it's just a number uh you just feel like you know, I don't yeah you don't you I, I have a feeling that I care less about a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> I give less of a shit these days. Yeah. yeah you just I, yeah that's a, <laughs> that's the thing yeah absolutely yeah that's the thing I care less a little bit about things and I just live and breathe and live in the moment yeah I mean, if that's the hallmark of turning 40, me, yeah, I'm, uh, what is it? What is it in Mars souls? Uh, I think I'm 38. I always forget like for okay. like a, a whole part of my, my life I spent thinking I was 32 when I was like really 31. Uh-huh. And then when I turned 32, I'm like this again. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like fuck, I just did thirty two. Why am I thirty two again? And then it's like, uh, I don't know. I keep never know my dates. So I got to have like rings around my Perfect. something. Ooh. The best way is, of course, to, to live like what Prince said. You know, the only day that he celebrated was the day that he was born. Then he stopped counting days, years, and that's why he still looked so damn good. That was his prophecy. Prince, aka the symbol. He yeah, I also don't him. have Prince's genetics, so. <laughs> <laughs> that handsome devil like i can't i'm not even gonna remotely attempt to compete with that <laughs> i've i've seen the mirrors and the photos i, I know the reality yeah. now um yeah. but in in this process of like denouement some sort of an unraveling of where you're at is there anything that you see parallels in how you've made choices throughout your life like how does how do you look back on the things that you've done uh, and what do they look like? Is that what you do now that you, you have this different concept of time or how does that affect yeah, I think, yeah, d- good the Bart until today? You yeah, know, like, yeah, I think, yeah, or, or, or uh, yeah, you, you, you wrap around, you have a little bit more about the right? concept of time. Yeah. And uh, looking back at the, at the past, yeah, I mean, uh, of course you make a lot of decisions. I mean, I went, uh, I lived, uh, grew up in a small, uh, small town, 65,000. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, went to, uh, went to Maastricht, a beautiful city to study. And then, Gorgeous. um, you know, started to do languages because my mom, uh, worked at a military army base in Germany. So I grew up uh, relatively young age. I grew up with, uh, American soldiers on a military base. I grew up with, uh, rap music relatively quickly. So I right on to California relatively young age and then I moved um, from this hotel management school moved to uh, to, to, Southern, to to Belgium and to southern France and in southern France I can introduce it to a lot of Americans at the Cannes Film Festival and my fascination was always film so eventually that ended up uh, one of the co-presidents of 20th Century Fox putting a business card in my uh, my pocket and saying if you ever hit LA give me a ring no uh, shit so that so that I did and I uh, <laughs> with an internship at uh, News Corp, which was, uh, I was the fifth international student and it was hilarious. So I went, I I don't regret anything of my last 14 years of decision-making in regards to what we call so-called career in this uh, capitalist system. Right. uh, 
uh, no, I made a lot of decisions that I am very happy with. Um, they were decisions that were very, I would more, almost say egocentric focused because, you know, uh, at the same time when you, if you work hard or you work all it or you're passionate or your hobby, you turn your hobby into work. Is there, is there space for family? Is there stuff like that? You know what I mean? So right. one of the, one of the things, uh, you know, that my, for example, my two older brothers went for relatively at a young age was families. And I, I don't have that particular element in my life yet. So, there is definitely a decision there that um, maybe I could have done uh, differently or earlier. Uh, there was a relationship where I was close. But... Is there a sense of yeah. regret, if you will? Uh, it's interesting, right? I mean, I know. No regrets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting, right? It's like life. Uh, and, uh, you know. Am would I... you have done it differently? Yeah, yeah, I probably would have uh, gone for that little bit of focused a little bit more on that love, maybe in that particular city, because I've done like a crazy amount of cities. Uh, I, th I think it was like nine cities in seven countries in 14 years. That's a lot of traveling. That's a lot of traveling. Yeah. And a lot of living in different cultures and different languages and different work environments, which I found social anthropological very fascinating. I learned a lot by that. It's sometimes really difficult to convey that in a, in a very conformistic Calvinist culture that is Holland. Right. So much the luggage uh, to a conversation. They found that rather difficult here, uh, which is still till the day I live here. Very shocking. Um, Do you think so, maybe that's why you kept traveling? Yeah, and that's why uh, I still feel the urge to go again. Yeah, uh, I think it's probably in my blood. I mean, I'm just so incredibly fascinated by people and uh, and by cultures that uh, that you know, I probably Amsterdam is. Uh, I'm already noticing Amsterdam is too too small for that. You know, it's just uh, and it's and, funny how so many people like it's. It, it could be huge for one one group of people. It could be mm -hmm. super tiny for another. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, uh, no, so I mean, there's this notion as well that I'm noticing, at least in some people, is that uh, there's, it sounds like, in this case, there's a drive from the normal, traditional, rote way of doing things. Mm -hmm. There's this push away from, almost like that's the, that's the boundary that you're pushing away from, but yet, for mm -hmm. some reason, still feel slightly drawn back to it now that uh, you're starting to reflect on these moments. Is that, mm -hmm. is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. Is that, do you see that same sort of behavior in, in the work that you've done and the, in the places you've been? Like, is there like a, do you have to be restless if you will? Is this a restlessness? Mm. Is it a, do I need to keep exploring, keep looking? hundred percent. That's a certain form of restlessness, the restlessness. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's also one uh, one that I fully embraced. I mean, it is what it is. But I mean, there's elements of creativity in that restlessness. You found yourself through different uh, creative keeps you, modes. Keeps you young, yeah. Uh, keeps your mind young. Uh, you know, you can't uh, you can't uh, really understand or 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 uh, grasp a culture by uh, by sitting and looking at out of it in your car window eh? which is a albert einstein quote so for me to really key, always to endorse myself into a specific culture is the biggest thrive i can uh, get out of life and that you can feel alive and that you meet uh, new people that are the, the door to an extension of the soul 
which is basically what it comes down to in life is that, you know, is that meeting the new people and getting inspired by them, regardless what they do. And for crying out loud, let, let them not be celebrities or reality stars or, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, Keep let the influencers away from my karma, man. Yeah. Let them be real and authentic. Right. And, 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 and uh, you know, that's what I get an enormous thrive out of. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely been one of the red layers in my life. Yeah. And has, has that shown up in your work and the things that you've done? Like, how do you translate that into what you do with, with yourself on a regular basis? Oh, that's a very good uh, question. I mean, uh, in regards to absorbing entertainment and content, uh, which is what I've been doing work-wise in advertising and in film and in television um, and in uh, marketing now more recently, a lot of advertising is that, uh, yeah, 100%, there's, uh, there's that element of that, what you probably will experience as well now at, the, at that particular age is that you, you're good at something and then you just keep doing it. And at the same time, there is this enormous hunt for <laughs> authenticity, you know what I mean? And especially, of course, in advertising and, uh, you know, because we all know the famous Bill Hicks, Bill Hicks quote, Bill Hicks from the marketing, you know, if you work on marketing, kill yourself, remember? Uh, so, I'm more of a Groucho Marx kind of guy, where they're like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to be a, yeah. a member of a group that'll have me as a member. Okay, no, 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 yeah, but uh, yeah, it's just that, uh, yeah, of course, yeah, the, this, the 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 hunt for authenticity is there, yeah, and uh, and uh, a great for, for us. Why do you want to be authentic, though? Why, yeah. why is that important? I mean, why, right? can't, why, why, why is that even a thing? Like there's millions of people, billions even, that are happy just waking up, uh, feeding their face, going to work, taking a runny dump, coming home, repeating. Yeah. Uh, why is being authentic something that's that sounds important? No, no, it's the search for authenticity because the we're search for it. the search for authenticity because the bombardment that we that we get around us. Uh, with what they were surrounded with on these platforms is just abnormal. And I'm not even, uh, I'm not even 20 years old. So the impact on the 20 year olds must be very intense. You know what I mean? I'm from 81. I still had to learn MS-DOS on the mid on college. You know what I mean? Right. So, so for us to, you know, first girlfriend that you have to pick up and the dad picks up and then you're like, can I take your daughter out for a date? No. You know what I mean? That that whole element is all gone, you know, or, right. or the art of the conversation is gone. Uh, this is something that we really discussed as well in the, in Morocco the last month we, because we had uh, seven different nationalities flying over. So it was like a fascinating social anthropological experiment that we did. And what was so interesting is the authenticity because of the, you know, some girls were, some of the women were working in the, the fashion industry, the modeling industry, some were still studying, some were doing photography, some were working on the magazine side. Uh, then there was Italy, Spain, Brazil, the Netherlands, Lithuania. So it was really fascinating. And then what I mean in regards to the authenticity is that, you know, what is the, what involves around the individual? And we noticed that when I started to play like music from the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, and they haven't heard all that kind of music, and they were like, wow, what's this? This, this is the cure. <laughs> oh, I never heard the cure. <laughs> oh, my God, these poor things. And then they started to, to wake up, and we did one day, we did compliment day, just to see the reaction on how that, that would people. So we just give compliments all day, and they're like, oh, this is how society could be. So we created this utopia almost. 
And uh, and that that's what what I basically meant in regards to the search for authenticity. You know, it's like uh, what drives a personality, what drives a character, and you can see it comes down to all these kind of basic elements. You know, yeah, but is that is that really authentic? A, a compliment day, or what's uh, interesting is that I'm I'm seeing you see this a lot in advertising and marketing peeps. Is that yeah. when you work on that threshold between <laughs> selling people shit and knowing how crap some clients can be, yeah. and the crap that they fucking really pull off. Yeah. When you when you work pulling the curtain to the <laughs> the, the Oz man in, in Wizard of Oz and you know just that tiny motherfucker pulling those levers and making those noises, when you see that, this search for authenticity, is it not just a search to get out of the bullshit like copy paste media models? Yeah, of course. Hundred percent, yeah. So then is it not the the sort of rebellion, the restlessness from what is and what is shown to be? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And you well, work in video, so like you're you're literally well, Yeah, well we're but what but we work in video, uh yeah, I've been uh film, very TV very Marketing. fortunate. I'm an agent now, uh, operating in Amsterdam, which is incredible. I achieved my childhood dreams because uh, I'm uh, I'm wrapping three three clients: an animation studio, digital studio, and a production company from Darren Aronofsky, the filmmaker from Black Swan. Before this, uh, and Requiem for a Dream, Requiem for a Dream, which is which just recently had a 20th anniversary, which is an right. masterpiece, especially when you consider how it was edited, how it was shot. Yep. Uh, mind blowing. Before that, I, I as a, as a did son, he do Gummo too or no? No, he didn't do Gummo. He didn't do Gummo. Something, no, something else. No, 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 no. And uh, no, Requiem I, another one. We can, we can, uh, you know, with the wrestler Black Swan, that, those kind of films. Yeah. You know, mother, and he's now uh, shooting. Um, and then before that, I uh, opened up the Ridley Scott office, which we know from Gladiator. So it was it's fun because I was in LA and then I brought LA to Amsterdam, uh, which I'm extremely proud of, and uh, and uh, that 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 will be here for the for the rest and for the for the future. But what's that like? What's now that you've because LA is its own animal, as New York is, as yeah. Amsterdam is. Yeah. What's it like bringing those two worlds together? Well, you have to understand, Michael, is that. When when I came when I came back from my long traveling or and including London, I came back to Amsterdam and the, and um, the work that I'd done there, and then I had to work in television in the Netherlands again. Is that people didn't understand my resume at all, and they're like, "How could that Dutch guy do that?" So it was very diff difficult because it's a very conformistic Calvinistic culture here. So success doesn't count here, which is extremely intense here, Michael. What does that mean? Um, you know, you know, we have one paparazzi guy in Amsterdam, red carpets, everyone is always really weird. Uh, there's not really the culture to talk about yourself that much, which I think is pretty good. I mean, you That's know, that true. culture, you know, it, it is weird to talk about yourself. I mean, who am I? Am I, you know, what's my different relevancy than, you know, a brain surgeon because, you know, he actually does something fascinating and saves lives or, or surgeon or doctor, whatever. So, you know what I mean? So. And that culture is here very intensely. So in order to convince people or to convey a story and to bring your American experience in regards to storytelling and writing, because this is one of the most important things that I feel personally still, but it's coming now, especially in Scandinavia and Germany and France, the writing is very important, you know, in regards to like filmmaking and stuff. 
so you know, it took me a very, very long time, for example, uh, you know, to, to get these kind of companies or to, to even coming here. Um, so that was a really difficult path, but I always stayed, stayed very close to myself. And, uh, did you ever think of just saying, fuck it? Yeah, I was, yeah, basically that as well. And, uh, you know, believing in your own, uh, autodidactic kind of learning, uh, which I think is very important, you know, and and the thrive and the, 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 the curiosity drive that there, there, there is a necessity almost, I think that you should be able to awaken people um so yeah it was a long it was a long arch arcuous arcuous road did you say arduous that? yeah arcuous? did you but, know it was gonna it was gonna work out here in amsterdam did you have a, any idea that this kind of shit would stick um to i use think, a technical I think, term i think, I think uh, when i was 20 23 years old and i uh, was knocking on uh, the trailer of mr mr smith getting Brad Pitt and Angelina Giolina out of the trailer as a Dutch uh, uh, kid, yeah. uh, I thought, okay, everything is possible in life. Because yeah. you were able to get Brad Pitt and Angelina out of their trailers? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they were very busy. I mean, you either know, you have really oh, low oh, standards for possibility, oh, yeah. or... Well, why, <laughs> why do me have to get them to the set? You know what I mean? And I was, I was, I was like, okay, if I can get that, if I can get that job, then, you know, maybe I can even, you know, I can do everything in life. You know what I mean? It's like hilarious. So are you one of those, would you, would you say, you know what I mean? Like annoying Dutch guy ramming on the door. It's hilarious. (laughs) I don't know anything like that. that stuff up. Or that I ended up in a reality show with Lou Adler's kids, Cisco Adler called the rock life with a Malibu band, you know, in a tour bus for seven months going through 32 States. I'm like, okay, why me? You know what I mean? So the things that you, you can uh, experience in life, you know, I think it's fascinating. You may well, think. why do you think all that stuff happened? Is it because they, sometimes they say that, uh, you know, success <laughs> is the consequence of like luck and preparation and or what? whatever it is. There's, there's a saying where basically, you know, it's not luck, but rather like preparation and being at the right place at the right time, I think. Ooh. What is it? Is what? it... Very good question. What makes you so fucking special? Of all the carbon life forms shitting and farting and eating and on and doing all kinds of stuff on this earth, you know, how did you what what kind of combo weird voodoo did you do so well that let you do these things you think are awesome? Yeah, why are you special? I don't know. I'm special. It's a very terrible Dutch qu- question to ask a Dutchie after you just finished saying we don't like talking about ourselves. But fuck it, <laughs> I'm gonna roll with it. I'm gonna see where this goes. Okay, so so wow, that's a very good question. Yeah, but but uh, I don't know. I think uh, that American doctor Fauci, uh, he's special. What's his name? Yeah, I guess it's Fauci. I mean, there's lots of doctors that yeah. think they're special that in the States. I don't consider myself to be special. The only thing I want to do is I mean, maybe uh, have Dutch kids grow up with the fact that there is a Ridley Scott office or uh, that I work for Darren and they can reach out to me or I can work for other people. And uh, I don't know. It's it's weird. But is know. this a, a matter of did you prepare for this shit? Or did you for some reason just fall into no, it? I wanted it. So you wanted to to work in that I, space. I wanted I wanted to work with people that inspired me in my childhood. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And so, what did you do? Did you just like search those people out? Did you put yourself in no, those spaces? Like, imagine imagine a twenty twenty something year old you. 
Yeah. And you're like, you're going to want to do all these cool, awesome things. Yeah. This is how you need to do it. And not like a, this is a, like a how to kind of thing, but keep this mindset open. <laughs> I like that. You know, like <laughs> how to go to Marrakesh with, with models and magazine, uh, <laughs> peeps. And yes, no, no, no. But I mean, like, if you were to tell someone, you could sell Cordy now, Michael. That's not fair. <laughs> well, I mean, I am a cynical motherfucker. No one told you I was gonna be fucking nice. I'm not gonna kiss your ass, motherfucker. Hey, no, you're the only one blowing smoke in this. Hey, give up your ass. That's a really good question, uh, actually, because you know um, what I what I noticed, and, and let's not generalize the the, the generation, yeah. but I think by determination and not giving up, you could achieve a lot in life. So persistence. Persistence is really, really important. Yeah. Are you happy where you are right now? Are you content? Is this where you would you figured out where you would be when you were to, uh, when you were like 30, 37, 38 now? Uh, no. No. Probably not. I mean, I, I yes and no. You want yes. it to be Elon Musk right now? Uh, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, me too, actually. Mm-hmm. And to have a family that I actually spend time. I want to be, I'd probably say that I'd want to be closer to like a blend between Elon and Obama. <laughs> you mean you in know? regards to dignity and uh, and style like Obama? And family focus. Yeah. And family, he yeah. shut his shit off. Like he was president of the most powerful nation in the world and still took yeah. off time for fucking dinner. So my motherfucking clients can wait for two yeah. hours while yeah. Papa puts his kid to bed. Yeah. Because that's why I'm doing this shit for yeah um and elon in terms of the ambition to dream bigger than yeah i know right ever there's a notion of i've mentioned this before in other podcasts but one's grasp should always be just beyond one's reach and i think elon flies in the same sort of pattern in the sense that you can understand that there's like the the limits of your imagination are huge yeah, They're almost limitless. And so by reaching further within that space yeah. and trying to grasp on whatever you can to make that happen, yeah. it is that unfolding yeah. precipice of the edge of like where you're at now and where potential could be. It's like yeah. what uh, philosophically... Lot, keep in mind also, with, uh, Michael, with Elon is, uh, and a lot of those kind of people in regards to, you know, because I've been looking into more about predeterminism, right? Would yeah. you see any other person being Jack Nicholson? Would you see any other person being Michael Jordan? Would you see any other people being, any other person being Stalin or Lenin or, you know what I mean? In regards to predeterminism, um, which I read up in regards to Elon Musk, you know, it's like also luck is also extremely important in that regard because isn't there the concept of the fact that when you come up with an idea, there's 18 similar people having that similar idea? Oh, really? You know what I mean? So, you know, it's 5% the idea, 95% the execution, you know what I mean? Yep. And, you yep. know, having PayPal, sell PayPal, come with the, the car model, you know, think big, you know, read, read seven books a week. I mean, it's like... There's this cumulation almost that that re, that smells to predeterminism, in my uh, my thinking. Well, that goes to the heart of the question that I was asking earlier. Is it a matter of you doing the right things or of experiencing the right combination and being at a certain moment in time as a result of those things? So it's like, yeah, exactly. Did I have to? It's like those secret rooms, you know, where like do that I, I have to do A B C D in order to unlock D. Exactly. D two or whatever it is, you know, it, like, is it, it nature nurture? Do you have yeah. to be in that space? And what was it for yeah. you? 
Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I think that is uh, there is the oh, there is the right time, the right moment uh, thing that you need to like uh, grasp and you need to be focused on, and that can only I think be created by some form of self actualization that you are aware of your surroundings, looking at, for example, the hierarchy of needs of Maslow, then when you are in this self-actualization that you can breathe out and that you're aware of your environment and the chances that So it's a mindset. Does it make sense? So it's kind of a mindset, if you will. It's a yeah. I mean, perspective. The, the electric cars, you know, they tried to do that already like 50, 60 years ago. You yeah, know yeah. What I mean? And it's then what around. I understand is that they, they, they started to put these carriages on fire in San Francisco and people got scared and stuff. Oh, electricity, electric cars is not. So it's, it's timing, you know, timing with luck, with uh, knowledge, self-actualization. There's this mashup of elements that I think that can push you towards this accelerator. And then you can become people like that. You can become like a Elon Musk or, or even look at Oprah Winfrey making 7 million US dollars on an, on an, on an interview. That the whole world wants to watch. Yeah, but that's that's Oprah. Oprah can yeah. do anything. Yeah, but look at Oprah's story. Oprah's story is fascinating as well. You know, yeah. coming out of a broken childhood and 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 uh, having Quincy Jones call up Steven Spielberg and say, "Hey, you, you uh, are the that particular actress for um, for Color Purple." You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, can you imagine, or, or, or one other guy calling up KW Radio in Chicago and saying, hey, Oprah, you got you to gotta be doing this radio station. So that predetermination with that self-actualization and then knowing your environment and also creating this karma that people push you forward, which I think is enormous in the United States. Eh? Pressure creates diamonds. Not, it's for, the United States has this enormous wave of possibilities, which I think still is there. It's not... It's, it's, it's a, it's a little bit too black and white for me to say the American dream doesn't exist. I think that that land of the immigrants created this culture. I mean, even look at the, look at the Steve Jobs. Was you know this Syrian refugee? Yep. Yeah. So so that that is, I think, it, we would love to see more in Europe, which really bothers me. You know, if I, I went to this this conference one uh, where the CEO of Alphabet spoke here in the burst from Berlach, and he says, you know, that lack of pushing talent forward is something that we really need in Europe. We also really need in the Netherlands, you know what I mean? Well, is it maybe because there's a lot of people, and mm -hmm. I don't know, but it's, it seems like some stories I hear yeah. reference the fact that people get comfortable. And yeah, the resort is a big problem, yeah. Yeah. Because you can, you can tread water and then I die. I know, man. Yeah. I know. There is, there is, the, there is the, the, a tendency for LinkedIn careers, obviously, which we used to have back in the day. A lot in the Netherlands working for Unilever, Ahold, Philips, yep. Yep. Yell, yep. Uh, Heineken, those kind of multinationals. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't changed. But in order for entrepreneurship to flourish, for ideas and, and, and stuff like that, you know, um, yeah, I think we really need that uh, that kind of element uh, much much more here in uh, in Europe, uh, Michael. I think it's a big oh. problem. Yeah, much more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some train of train of thoughts there, man. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's it's also about a a sense of a pursuit. 
it's a, it's a hunt. It's a it's a search for something new and different. Um, and in the stories I hear from at least entrepreneurs, from business owners and leaders, it's that. What's your take on that? Thing? That drive for certainty or that drive for establishing an authentic presence within a chaotic unraveling. You mentioned at the beginning, it's that instantaneousness of life in being that moment and the series of micro moments. Mm. Um, if that's true in theory, then wouldn't that also hold that your pseudo determinism yeah. can never exist? Because if life is just a series of snapshots, if you think of it like a film, if it's just a series of frames, yeah, then there is no before, there is no after. There's just the frame right there. And therefore you can yeah. define whatever construct exists in every single frame. Yeah. So in theory, mm -hmm. there's no room for determinism because you are forever recreating and of course, yeah. you're building on the past because that's that's sort of your stability. But it's a, yeah, it, but are we really? You know, <laughs> are we really having an influence on the decisions that we make in the moment, in what we call daytime? You know, sunrise, sunset. You know what I mean? I don't Easy know. to have you. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> okay. Yeah, but that's a different instrument. That's that's you're talking about the the execution of free will and choice and yeah. and how that applies to it. Yeah. But there is still I mean, so and maybe that's it. That's that the Venn diagram of luck, preparation, choice, free will, those intersections, the ability for someone to actually be part of something, to be present in something yeah. and then latch on to something to grow and and uh and thrive. Uh -huh. Could that be? I mean, maybe is that is that how entrepreneurship has unfolded for you? How how business growth and development has unfolded in your cases? Or how would it be different? Yeah, yeah, it has. Yeah, it has. Um, it has. Yeah. Um, but also by being uh, yourself, and being human, and leaving the door open uh, for younger people to ask questions and to be rigorous and open in regards to what the what you learn on a daily basis and then spread that um it's like sprinkle i do that on all my platforms as you probably can have seen copious <laughs> sprinkling you're the sprinkler of the media yeah a sprinkle and uh, i hope maybe there's a soul in there and it says hey i like that i had no idea and uh you know the having that um you know possibility for me to indulge myself in all this wonderful media that is yeah. uh, that is out there, but to pinpoint that particular uh, uh, documentary or film or article or scientific research that has been done, or you know, that's 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 also something that I really love, and uh, and I think through that sprinkle, there is a feedback and return in in uh, in in in, uh, in in karma and happiness and then glory. And therefore, uh, I've been live, be able to live a really wonderful life, you know. And that was also the realization that I had in, in the desert. It's exactly at eight o'clock 
40 years ago back then. And it was really wonderful. But I also went back and I was like, wow, you know, amazing, wonderful, wonderful life. Insane. The things that I've been able to experience. <laughs> you know what I mean? Three years in Berlin. You know, that was also really wonderful. Berlin, Panama, Panamanian jungle, you know, living in London, you know, spirit kind of jungle. United States in a tour bus. Woo. You know? That's fucking cool, man. It's a, yeah, life is full of surprises, you know, and, but when they happen, try to grasp them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Life is full of surprises, yeah. And uh, there, and there, there's amazing, magical things happening, and especially with people surrounded, the, the, the people that surround you, you know what I mean? I think Randy Pouch said it once beautifully. Remember him? The, the, the American teacher who gave the last lecture, you know? Yeah. It's like what you leave behind is that memory that you will leave with others when you're gone. And that will be the that will be the pinnacle of your existence. And I thought that was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And it's so true because that's what you will be when you're gone. You will be that memory with others. Fascinating, huh? What kind of memory do you want to be? Um, uh, that, I don't know, like uh, giving that I was giving. Uh, and there was, there was always uh, I was share. Sharing and giving are very important words for me. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's a very deep question. Man. <laughs> yeah, man. Why? Well, you, you brought it up. I might as well just, I'm going to jump on it. Think of me like the Canadian Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where were, you my... born? Where were you born in Canada? Beautiful country, man. Montreal. Oh, Montreal. Tu parles français ou rien du tout? Of course I do. Just, ah. uh, it's Quebec yeah. French. <laughs> isn't, it, uh, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it in square meters the largest nation in the world? I'm not even going to touch that one. There's so oh. much politics around the the national. Oh. Uh, but that's but how do you uh, how do you as a Canadian look at uh, look at the world or look at the United States or in general or any things? I mean, Canada is very neutral, right? Is it like the I mean, I guess world in America. I guess on a higher level, I don't look at it any different than, than what you've just described there's okay. this a series of yeah it's just true it's just a passport huh? of being yeah it's where you're from yeah and where you're from doesn't necessarily dictate where you're going no. but it creates frames of reference that help shape mm -hmm. your understanding of how life unfolds before you and mm -hmm. in the similar ways that you might have experienced in in the things you've discussed mm -hmm. i think coming at things from even being able to speak different languages, like the fact that my kids know that uh, uh, a cup uh, can be uh, mok in Dutch, in verre in uh, in French, or any number of other languages, knowing that a thing has multiple names for it means that you have multiple interpretations of that thing. Exactly. It opens the realm of possibility for interpretation yeah. and perspective. Yeah. And I think that's similar to what the what sort of narratives you were getting at when you were talking about uh, life experiences, being in the right places, uh, being present in that unfoldingness of yeah. what's happening in front of you, and it's pretty mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, exactly. That's well said. They did it. They did a mirror uh, mirror science uh, neurotic uh, neuro neuroscience uh, research and uh, on languages. 
Yeah. Which was really interesting that you would see these certain parts of the brain react differently when you would speak another language. Therefore, you could theoretically say that you would take a different personality as well. You know what I mean? So if I speak Dutch, I'm the Bart Dutch. If I now speak with you with the American Dutch accent, you know, I am that individual that goes back to the United States. When I speak German, I go back to, to my history in Germany. Does it make sense? When I speak yeah. French, I go to those roots that I, when I used to live in France. You know what I mean? So there are these different kind of uh, lights almost that go up in your brain. So therefore you take a different kind of characteristic element. And I never knew that. I thought it was very interesting in regards to languages and speaking languages. Right on, man. <laughs> right on, man. <laughs> hey, listen, um, I want to be sensitive to the time. I also don't want, like, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to connect with you, how can they find you, Captain Sprinkler? <laughs> well, the, uh, I don't know if you've been noticing, Michael, but uh, I'm, I'm basically uh, alive on all platforms. <laughs> I have noticed. Well, yeah, exactly. I have seen that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And recently I've been sprinkling a lot of Adam Curtis. Uh, which I would be able to hope for you to see the new six episode series from the, the BBC filmmaker, Adam Curtis. Have you been able okay. to look into it a little bit or not yet? I haven't, I haven't dumped oh. it, jumped into that oh. just yet. Okay, great. Well, it's highly, highly recommended on your radar, uh, Michael. He's a fascinating filmmaker who locks himself down in the BBC and goes to the BBC archives and starts to tell us narratives from the uh, historical significance from Russia. Oh, crazy. Or from China and stuff like that. Uh, highly recommended. So I've been sprinkling a lot of that because uh, historically it's been very interesting in the times that we were where we are today. So I highly recommend that. But yeah, I'm available on all platforms. You can always reach out or if you were interested in uh, getting another, uh, you know, perspective or, you know, view. Um, yeah, you can just hit me up. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Hey, Bart, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. It's been pretty rad. The stuff that you talked about brings together a whole new set of insights about where one needs to be both physically and mentally and emotionally when, uh, when, you know, being confronted or at least facing new opportunities, what to do to take them, uh, what it means to look back on time and identity and how how you can grow in different ways and still still love the kinds of things you do this it's been a really really awesome kind of journey down the bart Hendricks lane um and thanks for sharing the contact details i'm sure anyone anyone you guys interested in connecting with bart he'd be more than happy to, to reach out and say hi at least give a socially distanced high five or yeah properly properly in-person fist bump um but thanks again so much bart you're a you're a man a legend a dude with an la hat <laughs> <laughs> and uh if there's anything else you want to leave with us go right ahead but uh until then my friend no mike i think we had all the topics brother thank you so much for your time and and i think uh live in the moment and, and uh and understand that uh that time is always surrounding us, but uh, it's uh, the most important thing, what you do in that time is based on relationships. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. Brother man, thanks again. Take it easy. Thanks, take it easy, brother. Bye-bye. What a wonderful world.